Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into another winning edition of Sox on Tap. I am Johnny Nani, and I have Tony Marchese along with me tonight to recap a White Sox 6-2 winner in Game 2 four-game set against the Twins. Tony, this one feels good. I am going to crack a beer for that. You crack them. I'm sipping on wine right now, Johnny, because wine is for winners. Ooh, um, yeah. Wine is for winners, just like cocktails are for closers. We didn't see Alex Calame tonight, Johnny, but the Sox still closed this ball game down. And uh, you and I talked right before this series started. And uh, my, my prediction hasn't come true yet. But it's looking a little bit better than yours right now. Yes, it is. And I love, I, did I not say I love being proven wrong? I just uh, looked at Barrios and just especially how he dominated us last time. I know we weren't on the recap last night, but that's the one I thought they would lose. I thought tonight would have been a winnable game. Um, and I'm glad that they did. And I'm glad they won both of them. But yes, I, I'm so glad that your prediction is coming true and not mine. I set a split. I hope that's not the case. Hope they don't fall apart here uh, down the stretch here. But uh, man, riding high right now, though. That's that's how I'm feeling. Riding high. I like that. Riding high. If, uh, if you're looking for an episode title, Johnny, uh, that might be there, it right there. Yeah, there it is. Just spontaneous. You know, sometimes yeah. it just comes to me. Yeah. Um, first off, before we even get into the game itself, uh, the lineup today was excellent. I think this is what I want to see, Johnny, mm-hmm. when we're heading into the playoffs. This the, the lineup construction today was damn near perfect from, from Renteria, and uh, the result was perfect for the White Sox. Uh, Johnny, wh- where, where do you want to even start with this one? Because there's so much good to talk about, and we're not used to – we're getting used to doing this, but we're not used to – Two game winning streaks against <laughs> the Minnesota Twins. So where do you want to start with this? Because I've got so much to talk about. I want to start with uh, Mr. Dane Dunning because uh, this, you know, every time it feels like we're saying this is his best outing yet, um, that minus maybe a couple of shuffled in between uh, in his like second and third, I believe. But this one by far, Tony, his best outing yet and against uh, a very top notch opponent. You know, he had been doing it against uh, teams like the Royals and the Pirates before, which is great. You need to beat those teams. But doing it against the Twins, impressive here. Um, just reading off his line, he went seven tonight three hits two runs only one of them earned two walks seven strikeouts uh, allowed one home run which was an inside the parker so they didn't even uh, get it out of the ballpark on him uh, his era sits at two three three uh, he went the longest of any outing that he has pitched in so far through 102 pitches tonight i like seeing that get stretched out uh through 62 strikes uh on the evening as well and um tony i'll let you get your thoughts in a second but I don't know. I think it was NWI Steve on a recap with me after Dunning's last start. And I had said that I came across a tweet when I was just scrolling through right before I recorded that, you know, um, someone had put out that Dunning is undoubtedly the number three starter for a playoff rotation. And I said, you know, I was like, oh, that's, you know, I I like that. I like seeing that, but I don't know if I would cement that and put it right in stone right now. Um, That was after the Pittsburgh start. But after tonight, I I think uh, I would be on board with that, too. And I found out where that came from because she went and uh, quote tweeted again today. And I finally saw who it was. And that was Allie White Sox. So I need to give the proper credit. I said I didn't know who it was last time. Allie White Sox was the one who originally said that. And now um, I I have enough confidence behind that to back that sentiment. So um, I'll let you take the floor. So you actually just stole a question that I was going to ask you. And uh, 
you know, normally we, we, we do a little prep here um, and, and talk about some things. We're jumping right into this episode. I was literally just about to ask you the question. Game three, who are you going to, Dylan Cease or Dane Dunning? Because I'm going Dane Dunning. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's, he's just so calm and collected on the mound. You haven't seen really any sign of, of struggle with him. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to see him struggle. But I would like in one of his next starts here to get into some sort of real trouble. Yes, I want him to face some adversity and rise above it uh, in order to see that, because I don't want the first time Dane Dunning faces adversity to be in uh, in a a game three of a, uh, a, you know, best of uh, what is it? The the first series is best of three. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want him to be that guy. And that to be the first sign of adversity for for Dane Dunning. I, I don't know if that's that's something that I have full trust in. But if you're talking about pure stuff and what we've seen on the mound and just the ability to pitch against a great team like the Minnesota Twins, I'm taking Dane Dunning over Dylan Cease. And I don't think there's really anybody else on this roster right now that I, I'm comfortable with in game three. Um, so, you know, Dane Dunning has just been such a surprise for this team. And when you talk about good teams, Johnny, whatever sport it is, you've got an addition to that team, a guy that comes up and just does his job. And right now that's Dane Dunning for this team. Yeah, Tony, I think, and we're going to get into this guy in a little bit too. I I have some fun banter, uh, to to talk about with this next name that I'm going to bring up. And that's James McCann. I feel like that was the guy last year. That was the little bit of a dark horse that you didn't really expect to produce, uh, at such a high level as he did obviously end up being an all-star last year. Um, but I think that now is flipped this year. Uh, and obviously we know that, you know, James McCann, uh, we're going to get to it in a little bit when we uh, dive deep into the offense here, but, um, producing at a high level, uh, Dane Dunning for sure. The one that you probably didn't expect, uh, this season. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it absolutely is Johnny. I mean, um, just the body of work so far has been very impressive. Um, I mean, I mean, the kid had uh, quite a high pedigree uh, for uh, a prospect uh, coming in here. Uh, I don't think it's as high as names like Michael Kopech, Lucas Giolito, Lucas Giolito, or even a Reynaldo Lopez. But uh, Dane Dunning has proven uh, that he can be on the mound for a major league team and be a, a very uh, strong addition to any rotation. I think he he'd, he'd fit right in there across the major leagues and. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I didn't expect to see him, Johnny, you, even before the season, uh, you didn't even know if this guy existed and, uh, I think he exists in your mind now. Is that, is that, uh, factual? 100% Tony. And I just need to see it uh, with my own eyes because it's like that thing where, you know, you hear about it all the time, but is it ever going to be, uh, in front of you? And it's been right in front of our eyes on our televisions uh, right now. I wish it could be in front of my eyes physically at the ballpark, obviously, but you know, um, with the way 2020 is, you can't be there, but I am seeing it with, uh, you know, through my TV. So yes, I believe it. I, I uh, believe in Dane Dunning's existence now, uh, no okay. longer a denier. Just so yeah, 
Um, one last note, because there is uh, quite a bit of offense to get to as well, Tony. Damn, that's nice to say. But um, Dane Dunning, for me, obviously I mentioned uh, his best outing so far uh, beyond the 102 pitches, and I see him stretched out there, but seven innings. That, that's the big one for me, Tony. I'm circling that. Obviously, uh, only allowing two runs total, um, only one earned is great as well, but the seven innings, getting him stretched out, because before um, in his first few starts, and understandably so, it, it was building up. Uh, that, that's what it was. He was going, you know, in the three to five range early on. And then that ramped up a little bit, you know, what he had a no hit bid against uh, Kansas City a couple of weeks back. And he was removed after the fifth because he still was not up to that level yet. But seven innings today. Um, I like that. And even, you know, started into that um, last one before Jace Fry uh, came in. So I, I that's just my last takeaway from Dunning. If you have anything else, go ahead and add it. If not, let's go to the offense. Just one last thing to add, Johnny. You and I, I think, share this uh, thought. Uh, pitchers that go deep into ball games are cool and tough. Yeah, and uh, I, I really love the fact that you've brought this up and the importance of it. Um, saving the bullpen is so huge in, in today's ball game uh, because you don't see starters going this deep uh, on the regular. Um, you see teams using openers and you see, you know, bullpen games from the, from the fourth inning on e- even earlier than that. Um, pitchers that can go seven innings are very valuable. You know, he, he controlled his pitch count. Uh, I think he was, what would you say? 102 pitches uh, yes. through seven. That's, that's fucking perfect, Johnny. That's, that's exactly what we're looking for out of a starter. Uh, we will probably never see a, another starting rotation like the 2005 White Sox had. But if you can get, you know, the, today's modern equivalent is three guys in a playoff series that can go seven innings. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is important. I think that's a huge development for Dane Dunning to go seven. Uh, I, I really love the fact that the White Sox let him do that today. And obviously Dane had to perform in order to get there. But I love the fact that Renteria went to Dane through seven today, didn't pull him in the fifth and turn this into a bullpen game and try and, I don't know, do the whole protect your arm thing. If your guy's out there and he's working like he, like Dunning did today, this is the type of start that now you've saved Jimmy Cordero's arm for one more day instead of having to see him again. You know, yeah. like there, there's, there's been a lot of tax on this White Sox bullpen. We know the starting rotation has had its question marks. Dane Dunning has been there to be the answer, and I think that's really important. Very important, Tony. Um, you know, let's move on to a little bit of the offense here. I think that was a good summary uh, of Dunning's night uh, that we just gave there. So let's move to the offense, how they got yeah. it done. Uh, early on, I love early runs, Tony, and Eloy provided the first one uh, with an RBI single through the right side in the first inning. That is huge, especially for a young pitcher. Give him that little extra boost of confidence. Um, it, it could be a little bit different um, on the scales there if it's still a 0-0 game or if you're down um, early on in the game. So um, Byron Buxton, he hit the inside the park home run in the top of the third. That tied the game um, at one at the time. Tony, um, just a 
I don't know, a little bit of a weird read by Robert, a weirdly timed jump, and then I don't even know how that ball shot that far back into the field of play. I felt like that would have stayed a little bit closer to the track, but either way, Buxton's got burner speed, uh, so you got to tip your cap there. Andy, you know, he missed out on the uh, inside the Parker last night uh, on Eloy Mendez's Eloy Jimenez's little blunder, the ball under the wall, that kind of thing. Um, but he got he got his tonight, so that, that tied it at one in the third. But James McCann answers right back with an RBI double in the bottom of the third to make it 2-1, good guys. And then Luis Robert, a two-RBI single, uh, make it 4-1 Sox. Um, Tony, obviously a little bit to talk about there with uh, McCann, and I think you'll get into that. But uh, for me, Luis Robert, uh, he's been having a quiet September, I believe, batting average down you know below 200. Last time I checked, it was around one. 83 in that range to don't quote me exactly on that but it was somewhere in there uh for the month of september nice to see him break through um and produce those two runs to uh really pad this white Sox lead yeah i mean for all the talk of uh first off Luis robert in, in a slump um you know i haven't been too worried about it because the white Sox have been able to pick guys up when they're down you've seen uh yohan mancata go through uh, some difficult times. You've seen Luis Robert go through some difficult times. Uh, there's been enough firepower in this offense that uh, the Sox are able to overcome that. And that's something that we haven't been able to witness as Sox fans in so damn long, Johnny. You know, when when your big guys have been down on this team, when Jose Abreu has gone through a slump for three weeks uh, in the past, the whole thing normally comes to a complete fucking stop. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it looks like this team is just lost. Right now, this lineup, one through nine, is is good enough to overcome guys who uh, are struggling at the plate a little bit. And it, that's that's really nice to see. And then it, it, it just gets even better when those guys figure it out. So uh, good to see Luis Robert doing that. Uh, you want me to talk about McCann, obviously. Uh I will admit, just like you said earlier on in this show, when you're wrong about something, you love being proved wrong. I love being proved wrong, too. I did not like the McCann signing at the time. I am now fully on board the James McCann train. This guy has proven himself to be a valuable piece to a ball club, and his contributions this season are one of the many reasons why this team is the top team in the American League right now. There, There is no arguing that James McCann right now isn't deserving of a starter spot and, and any roster in baseball. I mean, the guy right now hitting 329. I know it's a small sample size. We've got a shortened season. He hasn't gotten as many starts as Grandal has, but still, dude's hitting 329. He seems to be able to put the ball out of the ballpark almost just, every time he's almost in. every time he's in the lineup. So I mean, just and and not only that, his ability behind the plate. And I'm not saying that it was a bad move to go sign Yasmani Grandal, Johnny, because I love that move and I think Yasmani Grandal is awesome. But I also truly believe that the Sox would still be a pretty damn good team if James McCann was your everyday starter behind the plate. They need to resign this guy. I know we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show about how that's going to be impossible 
or damn near impossible to do just because he does deserve a starting role. But could you imagine locking him up on a three, four year deal and having Yasmani Grandal and James McCann available to you at all times? Yeah. Because it's a dream scenario. It is. A, it is an absolute dream scenario. I think that, you know, if if for some reason they are able to pull this off, you're talking about the best catching tandem in baseball over the next three years. And two guys that that know how to hit the ball and do it offensively, do it defensively, handle a pitching staff. I'm I'm lost for words when it comes to just the the fact that the White Sox have such a strength at the catching position. You go back and you look at what we've had and what we've dealt with, the Dianir Navarros and the Omar Narvaez's and the Kevin Smith's of the world that we've seen starting these games. And now you've got these two guys that are just studs. They are absolute studs when it comes to playing the game of baseball. I'm, I'm lost for words, Johnny. Yeah. And you know, uh, I say dream scenario because I am in the camp that um, he's just going to go somewhere where he can be uh, the everyday starter. Obviously the White Sox having Osmani Grandal locked up. So um, I think we've said it a bunch of times, but this will be a discussion, uh, an elongated discussion, something uh, in the off season. But what's one thing I've preached this year, Tony? um, And it's important for me because you know me, I like to get negative Nani at times and it's great that they're um, limiting the, those instances to where I can't even, uh, get really mad or negative about anything, but it's live in the moment. Uh, that's one of my yes. phrases for this year is a song in the White Sox ballpark mix volume two. Uh, live in the moment and enjoy the hell out of the season. And uh, let's live the dream right now because this is a dream scenario that they have uh, behind the plate. Um, just branching off a little bit on McCann here. Um, I'll just run down the rest of the scoring here because it does involve McCann. So uh, it, we got through the third there. Once again, it was 4 1 White Sox after that Robert, two RBI single. Uh, Jeffers hits an RBI ground out in the fifth for the Twins to cut the lead in half, 4-2 Sox at that point. Uh, Timmy delivers a solo home run off the Modelo uh, bottle in left field, uh, 5-2 White Sox. And then in the seventh, McCann's solo home run. Talked about his ability to get the ball out of the ballpark. Seemingly every time he's in the lineup, uh, that was 6-2 White Sox. That held as the final score. Um, Just as for McCann there, I got a, this is, I guess, coming early a little bit uh, on the shout out, but uh, I, I like having the banter with, you know me, I'm a Yaz man. Yaz man, I've said it on the show. Um, and I love Grandal. Uh, I really, you know, I love watching James McCann play too. How, how can you not? Uh, but Iowa Sox, uh, Iowa Sox fan, and I, uh, Ryan, a good friend over there. Um, he, he has always been. He's McCann Stan. I'm a yes man. I, I like the little debate that we have going there. And I told him just how awesome is it that we can even have this uh, in banter back and forth because we both, you know, like both of them and whatever. Um, so it, it's just fun to be able to do that in a fun way where it's not people at each other's throats because this team is so bad and, you know, you're just letting out rage there. So, uh, yeah, it, it's bottom line dream scenario that the white Sox have right now and uh, i think this goes back to a point that you made very very early on in the show tony uh the lineup construction allows for that tonight uh james mccann hitting in the six hole catching tonight uh grandal the dh jose abreu playing first base that's how you need to do it especially with the way edwin uh has you know just been underperforming 
Uh, it, ne- it never really caught groove. He, he's hit a few bombs here and there, but um, it, it's got to be, Mc- if you're putting your best lineup out there, your best nine every day, it's got to be McCann more often than uh, Edwin Encarnacion. And I think um, we're going to start trending in that direction. I think we will see that down the stretch here, Tony. Uh, I'm not saying Edwin's done for the year. It's not he's stashed on the bench for the year. You're still going to use him. You'd probably still use that threat uh, off the bench if you really need it. Um, say you were in a tie game tonight and you wanted to, uh, you know, pinch it uh, before Dyson came in. Uh, you want to pinch it for Angle or someone in that spot, even though Angle had two hits tonight too. So that's pretty mm-hmm. nice. But you could have. It's nice to have that option on the bench then, Edwin come off even for that pop i know the average has been crap uh this year but he's never been an average hitter he's just been a power hitter hit the home runs so um nice to have those options there so uh kind of a long-winded rant here tony but um basically it's just uh proclaiming uh you know how exciting uh this team is and how many options they have uh viable options uh in this lineup viable options everywhere and johnny one one observation i have is When's the last time the White Sox rolled a lineup out where six of the nine hitters were batting over 300? That's that's I I'm you know I'm not the uh, Chris Kamka here. I, no, I know so that I know that. We probably need could, someone like him to get that. But yeah, feel you could you could I, I mean if, I'm sure it happened this year or early on in seasons. And obviously, again, I go back to small sample size, qualify it. But we're talking about, you know, every team's playing in the same scenario and everybody wants to go give credit to the to the Minnesota Twins for being this juggernaut. And yet throughout their lineup, they've only got two guys that started tonight hitting over 300 and the Sox had six that I mean, think about that for like two seconds, like just six guys in the starting lineup tonight hitting over 300 and you can you can. Give me all the qualifiers you want about Nick Madrigal hasn't been here all year. Adam Engel hasn't gotten his share of starts. Both those guys over 300. But, heck, Johnny, I'll take three or four guys hitting over 300 in my lineup any day of the week, and you're normally going to have a recipe for success to win ball games. And the Sox are starting six guys right now that are batting over 300. That's fucking cool and tough. Yeah, so you, you said to think about that for two seconds. I thought about it for that whole time that you were just talking there, so I don't know how long that was, probably close to 45 seconds, and my mind's just fried now. Um, I can't comprehend it. I don't know if I can go on with the rest of the show. Um, so that's that's where we're at. But no, we will. We, we, we will. We will. You did, you did blow my mind there. Um, yeah, uh, once again, this is a uh, 6-2 final here. Uh, last thoughts on the offense here. Timmy just keeps it going, man. Three for five tonight. Uh, that batting average is up to 377. I really hope he wins crowns back-to-back here. Um, Jose Abreu, even though it was a little bit quiet, there was no RBI, which he is so well-known for, still went three for four tonight. Uh, Eloy, obviously, with, with the uh, – base hit uh rbi single to get things going uh he was one for four james mccann two for three obviously the bomb and a uh, pair of rb you know uh yeah, pair of rbis on the night uh Luis robert one for four with the two rbi hit and uh adam angle uh two for four as well so that's where you're at only madrigal um 
Dyson didn't have an at-bat. So, yeah, only Madrigal, Grandal, and Moncada hit list tonight, but Grandal also walked and scored a run. So um, you talk about the sneaky factor of the ass man. Um, that's what he does. He gets on base, and then he comes around to score. So uh, I like to see that. That's my last thoughts on the offense. you have anything more? Because I need to dive into my section for the bullpen, Tony. So last thoughts on the offense for you. One last thought here as I look through this lineup. The three guys that are not hitting above 300 are Yon Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, and Luis Robert. Wow. Wow. Like, those are guys that could hit around 300, at least upper two, upper 200s. So th- this offense, Johnny, is something fucking special. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I would hate to face this lineup if I was uh, an opposing team. Uh, going into a playoff series this is you, you i can't comprehend it um yeah. and especially I, good luck if you're uh, trying to trot out a lefty against the white Sox. they're undefeated against them this year yeah i know just, that wasn't the case tonight but just an, another thing in the arsenal there yeah just uh amazing stuff uh did not expect that this year uh by any stretch of the imagination johnny i think that uh I'm in awe. I, I think you're in awe, and uh, your you know, live in this moment sentiment is a hundred percent true. Uh, yep. the, 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 you don't see this very often. This is not normal. Yeah, it's special. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Um, like I said, live in the moment with it. So uh, on to the bullpen here. We t- we touched on the starting pitching with Dane Dunning. We touched on all of the offense here. Let's get to the bullpen. I tweeted it out earlier. I was going to make a return. Tony, my guy, Jace Fry. When's the last time I've been able to say that in a very positive light? Uh, this guy came back from the injured list today. White Sox option. Bernardo Flores down to uh, the Schaumburg taxi squad before today. Jace Fry returned from the injured list. He was dealing with back spasms before, dating back to uh, September 5th. The retroactive date uh, on the IL stint was September 3rd. Finally, back tonight, extremely effective in his one and a third inning. Struck out four, only walked one. Uh, that ERA is sitting at 329 now. My guy, Jace Fry, how important is this to have him? Uh, especially in a confidence-boosting uh, performance like tonight with a guy like Aaron Bummer still out. And I know we may get Bummer. I know they said uh, towards the very end of the season, possibly the last series of the year around that Cubs series uh, that will close down uh, the regular season campaign. But uh, how important is it to have this viable lefty option? Because Bernardo Flores, let's be honest, um, I think there there could be potential there, but obviously not time to test it out in a pennant run. Um, a guy in his fourth year, Jace Fry, we saw extremely good stuff, I believe, in 2017, uh, 2018-ish range. And then he you know, he had a rough go of it last year. Um, then obviously some injury problems earlier this year. Uh, but coming back and uh, proving that he can still have some of that wipeout stuff and get outs uh, just by himself, not even having to rely on the defense. I think that's huge. My guy, Jace Fry. I think that's absolutely like that that's the equivalent of a, a trade deadline and acquisition here um jace fry did not look like himself i don't even know if we know exactly what jace fry is johnny because there's so much potential there but we've also seen a lot of volatility yeah yes so if we can get the good jace fry for this playoff run you're talking about a very very solid bullpen even minus Aaron Bummer. The Sox have plenty of options to go to. Um, but I, I think Jace Fry, at his best, 
is an eighth inning guy. And at his absolute peak, could have closer type stuff. I mean, you look at you look at his breaking ball, and it's just second to none. And he he's just he's so nasty when he's on. And you know that you're 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 the Jace Fry guy. So I'm not I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the listener here. But even if even if he settles somewhere in the middle. And you've got a solid option out of the bullpen that you can go to in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning to go get outs. That's a plus-plus win for the White Sox here. And tonight should be a huge, huge confidence boost for Jace Fry. And sometimes that's all it takes for a pitcher to get in the right mental space to go and just dominate on a two-, three-, four-week run. And I think that this was awesome to see, especially in his first game back, because that's going to set the tone. So if you're talking about a guy like Jace Fry, you've got Matt Foster, who's come out of nowhere and just been absolutely solid. Cody Hoyer throws fucking smoke all over the place. You go and you add Aaron Bummer to that mix. You're talking about four guys who are solid options out of a bullpen. And I haven't even named Steve Ciszek, who had some struggles. Evan Marshall, who was basically in competition all last year with Aaron Bummer to be that eighth-inning guy, if not your seventh-inning guy, a, a, a one-two duo that got everything back. You add Aaron Bummer to that mix, and then you give it to Mr. Alex Colome. Cocked hats are for closers. And all of a sudden, you've got like six, seven options out of his fucking bullpen that's going to shut shit down. And I haven't even mentioned Ross the Boss Detweiler. And, Johnny, do I have a meatball take for you right here? Serve it up hot. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot wait when, you know, they release the shirt with the whole team roster on the back. And it says 2020 world champion White Sox. And Ross Detweiler's fucking name is on that shirt. (laughs) Yes. Especially going from uh, independent ball. I think he had two stints, uh, separate ones, in independent ball uh, for Ross the Boss. So, yes, uh, that, that would be absolutely phenomenal, Tony. Uh, just a little bit back to wrap up my point on Fry. Um, this goes way back to the Shy Sox Weekly Days uh, on a season preview for, uh, I believe it was 2019. That, that's where that whole st- sentiment originated from. And obviously, that didn't work out in, in the 2019 campaign like I had predicted. Um, but, you know, it, it's. Like I think you said it best there, uh, that it puts him in the right mental space having this type of performance coming back. And I don't want to, I don't want anyone to get this mixed up. I would absolutely have Aaron Bummer as my go-to lefty out of the pen if he is healthy and ready to go, and he comes back and proves that he is. Um, I, I, you know, the, the stuff is just better. Um, the the metrics are just better. I understand all of that, and I totally would if I was a manager. That that would be mine if as long as he's healthy. But having that, it gives Ricky Renteria just more to work with like you were mentioning all those names there so that's why i just wanted to touch on the importance of this peace of mind yeah that's what i go straight to it's you up the boston baby cue it up peace of mind right there when you've got this bullpen you've got peace of mind 
Yeah, I love that a lot. Um, lastly, close this game down. Uh, Matt Foster, two thirds of an inning. Uh, like you had said, guys come out of nowhere. He did let up one hit in that, but uh, no damage. That ERA still sits at one two seven uh, for Matt Foster. That was the uh, end of this one. He closed it down. White Sox win six to two here on Tuesday, September fifteenth, in the year twenty twenty. Um, they obviously. Uh, have at least a split against these twins uh, with two more coming up on the south side. So, uh, Tony, final thoughts for this game uh, before we run it into the next game preview. Final thoughts on the game. Taking two in a row from the twins is just not something that we're used to. And I'm enjoying every minute of this. I want want to go and, and roll the next ones. We'll get to that, but... The Sox have won now via the long ball, via manufacturing runs. They've figured out ways to win ball games, And tonight they did it in the complete package style. You manufactured runs, you, you, you hit the long ball, you had a great pitching performance. It's the complete package for a, a great team. And I, and I went and I said this after the last series against the Twins. The Sox are a good team. This is what I was saying before. The Sox are a good team. They've beaten bad teams. In order to be a great team, you have to go out and beat the good teams. And they're doing that right now. I don't think they're completely there. The record right now says that the Sox are a great team. You go and you take one more and we take three out of four from Minnesota. I'm ready to put that label on, Johnny. Because we're right there. They've proven it in these two games that they can beat the Minnesota Twins. If you can beat the Twins, you should be able to beat a lot of these other teams that you're going to face in the playoffs. And I know we've only played the AL Central and the NL Central, and they don't know a lot about some of these other teams that are out there. But I'm starting to get this scary sense of confidence about this team and about this ball club. that They, they mean business. And I think the record proves it. I don't know about you. So uh, this would not be a socks on tap uh, without a little bit of a negative naughty moment. There it is. Um, yeah, uh, you, you're talking about. Um, I agree. I totally agree with the with you on the getting there. Absolutely getting there. Not there yet. But it's not, nothing's done here. We're, we're no. still. We're we're not done. It's, you know, there's still a couple weeks left uh, of this regular season. That's first and foremost. There's still two games left in this series itself. Uh, we could very easily, you know, shit the bed and split. I'm not saying they will, but it's a possibility. It could still happen because these games have not been played yet. Uh, even if even if they sweep this series, Tony, I won't label them that yet as the great team because one, it's one series, and how'd you do in the other ones previously? Go and look back on that. Even if you uh, take this one sweep, all four of these, you're still what even on the series on the season series against the Twins. So that that's one factor for me. And then second of all, I know it's you know, and we got to live in the moment. We got to be right here, right now, uh, who we're playing right now, right who's right in front of us, and that's the Minnesota Twins. And absolutely, got to take care of business. Can't be looking ahead. But as fans, you know, that's in the dugout though. They're looking, you know, just the next game ahead. What, what's the next game uh, that's coming up on the schedule here? I am though, as a fan, sitting here looking to next week and because the White Sox have done a good job uh, of beating the Twins and that helps you separate further now you know they're three games up uh, in the AL Central standings and that pushes the Indians back even further Um, I want to see how they do against the Indians in that four game series at Cleveland because um, 
even though the the games are separated and the White Sox will probably most likely still finish ahead of them, barring a complete collapse, those are going to be some really, really, really good pitchers that they're going to face. Uh, Just because the Indians maybe have not been playing as hot of baseball as the White Sox have been lately, that doesn't mean, that doesn't discredit how great their pitching staff is. Shane Bieber is going to be the AL MVP. I think, you know, I hate to say that, but um, he's just been so dominant to the fact, uh, even as a White Sox fan, you tip your cap to that and say, well, yeah, uh, he's leading in all of these categories and he's just one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant pitcher in the game right now. Um, So I want to see how they fare against the Indians um, after this. And if they if they do that and they win both these those series, I will be ready to label them great. So that, that's where the negative Nani came in there. But I just have to uh, bring it back to reality just a little bit here. Agree? I'm fully or on fair, board with at you. At least fair? I, that's, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I qualified it before on the show when I said I wanted to see how they do against the Twins. Um, and, and the recent success, and, and maybe that's some recency bias from me. The Twins have been the thorn in the White Sox side. If we can take care of them. That's where I'm ready to go and say the combination of being the or having the I, I wouldn't say they're the best team in the AL, but having the best record and being able to take care of what's been sort of a little brother, big brother uh, situation with the Twins and the White Sox. Given the schedule they have this year. I would label them a great team for 2020. I don't know what, what, what 21 holds, but for this year, I'm ready to label them a great team if they can take care of them. I do agree with you, though, 100%, that the Indians are still a problem. They're yeah. still a problem, and we need to evaluate because, heck, you can come out and you could take three or four from Minnesota, and you can go get swept by the Indians, and you damn well know, Johnny, I'm going to be on this show motherfucking the White Sox and every decision that was made. So yep. there you go. Yep. That, that is a completely fair argument. Yep. All right. I just wanted to get that out of you. We had some good discussion on this game, Tony. Once again, uh, White Sox take game two of the series six to two. Let's move on. Game three uh, will be another 7-10 start. Uh, this one on Wednesday, uh, the 16th of September. The White Sox twins on the south side of Chicago. Jake Odorizzi gets the ball for Minnesota. Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. Odorizzi owned one 8-10 ERA, nine strikeouts in just 10 innings pitched over three games this season. He last pitched on August 21st against the Royals, had a rough go of it. Three innings, seven hits, five earned runs, no walks, one strikeout. As for Lucas Giolito, four and two on the season, 3-4-3 ERA, 82 strikeouts in 60.1 innings pitched. Uh, last time out was Friday against Detroit, and he went five and two-thirds, four hits, three earned runs, four walks, seven strikeouts. So um, what are we expecting from Wednesday night's affair? I'm expecting Lucas Giolito to come out and dominate. But uh, with that said, uh, Giolito has had his issues with the Twins this year. I, I don't know if we're going to get the version of Lucas Giolito that we want tomorrow. I'm still going to put this one on the offense to go out and do their job. Uh, if you see the White Sox come out tomorrow and, and go down early, I would not be surprised. Um, that said, the offense 
allows this team to be in ball games. I'm not talking about going down big, but I could see Johnny. I don't know about you. I could see the White Sox going down two nothing mm-hmm. by the third inning, um, and 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 Lucas Giolito kind of right in the ship and then bringing it back. And the Sox striking in the bullpen. They did a really, really, really good job today, uh, working the starting pitchers' pitch count uh, very early on in the ball game and getting to that Minnesota bullpen. That's what I want to see happen again. I think that's uh, a, a really good key indicator if the White Sox are going to win a ball game is if they can get to the bullpen early. Um, you know, Oda Rizzi, he's he's not the greatest. He's not the worst. He's a middle-of-the-road pitcher, in my opinion. Uh, the Sox shouldn't have too much problems getting to him unless he's completely on. And I mean, you could talk about any pitcher who is just having a great day uh, could shut down any offense. But I think in this one, you might see Minnesota jump out to an early lead. Uh, getting beat by the White Sox, you know they're going to be coming to play. They, they want the division title too, um, and they're right there. And if if you're a Minnesota Twins fan or if you're part of the Minnesota Twins organization, right now is a moment of reckoning for you. This is a must-win game for the Twins, Johnny. Uh, You've got to look at it from the other side. This is a must-win game for them Mm -hmm. to come back. So, uh, you know, Johnny, we talk about hockey all the time over on Four Feathers Podcast. For the Twins, this is the third period. They're down by a goal. So they're coming out. They're going to be swinging. They're going to be ready to go. Uh, Lucas is going to have to keep his composure, uh, be in the right headspace, and let's hope that changeup's working. Uh, But I I really do think that this is going to be a winnable ball game for the White Sox. You've got your ace on the mound. You're on you're on a winning streak. Uh, just continue to do what you've been doing. Let the offense continue to roll. And I think we'll be okay. Yeah, uh, a few points. I did a little recon while you were there. And just really quick, uh, while we're still on that, while it's still fresh in the mind, uh, I think it applies both hockey and baseball here. Uh, my term, my favorite term, I've said it to you a million times, the team that's down will be pressing. Yes. It'll be pressing, and that's what the Minnesota Twins will be doing uh, from the get-go uh, on Wednesday night. So the White Sox be better be ready to answer the bell there. Uh, did a little recon, though, while you're talking on Jake Odorizzi. Um, in that start against Kansas City that I mentioned, that uh, August 21st one where he only went three innings and had that uh, stat line that I mentioned, uh, he got hit in the chest uh, with a line drive. So um, that is what kept him out, um, and he had been on an IL stint there. Um, but he's back, uh, set to return to the rotation, um, is the official starter for Wednesday's game. So, um, no, once again, only 10 innings here. But I, I think he has proven over the course of last year that he can at least be a guy that can hold it down uh, for the Twins and allow their offense, at least last year, the Bomba squad, as they titled themselves, uh, he allowed them to do their thing. Uh, and that played pretty well in his favor. So um, it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. I totally agree with you that we could see the White Sox finding themselves down early in this game, say a two-run deficit uh, by the third inning. Uh, very possible. Uh, once again, Twins will be pressing. So, um, yeah, I honestly, I'm with you on that, and I hate to do group think here, but uh, I'm with you, and it should still be a winnable ball game. and with the way the offense has been rolling. And if, another big key for me, if you have a lineup structure very similar, similar to tonight's 
I'm not saying he has to be the exact same. Obviously, maybe Grandal behind the plate. You throw McCann as the DH, yada, yada, whatever you're doing. Uh, but either way, get all those bats, your best nine uh, in the lineup. And I think you should be set up for a White Sox comeback win uh, in this one. So if I were going for a prediction, I know we don't usually do predictions here, but I'd probably pin it at like a White Sox 5-4 to four win. I think that's fair. Uh, fair estimate uh, for this, given the pitching matchups and uh, recent trends of both teams. So um, uh, those are just my thoughts here. So let's get a pick to click from you, though. Who's getting it done for the White Sox on Wednesday night? I'm going to roll with my guy, Timmy. Uh, Just continues to hit, doesn't stop hitting. All he does is hit. And then hit some more. And then hit some more. There it is. Uh, I'm going to roll Tim Anderson tomorrow. All right, uh, I like that one. I am going to go with uh, Mr. Eloy Jimenez. Um, I feel like that, you know, he, he barrels balls up constantly uh, with a guy who has only thrown 10 innings this year. Uh, I feel like that could be the same case tomorrow night, and I think we could see a long fly uh, from Eloy uh, on Wednesday night. So he is hitting 375. Granted, it's only eight at-bats. Uh, career uh, against Jake Odorizzi, but um, I will go with Eloy Jimenez uh, in Wednesday night's game. So um, let's get to shout outs here. Uh, mine, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Iowa Sox. I love having the Yaz uh, McCann banter with you. I'm a Yaz man. He's a McCann stan. It's great. It works well rhyming, uh, works well um, in the aspect of that the White Sox are so uh, in a dream scenario uh, to have two of the best catchers in the league, uh, the best catching duo by far. Um, so that's another live in the moment thing. Uh, enjoy it while we have it, and I will enjoy uh, with Iowa White Sox, if he ever comes after Yasmani Grandal again, find a menacing look uh, from the Yasman to reply to him uh, because I am a Yasman. And then the other one uh, I mentioned earlier, but Ellie White Sox, uh, thank you for uh, quote tweeting that uh, about Dunning being the third starter um, in a White Sox playoff series. I was looking for that source last time, couldn't find it because we were already recording, but got it now ahead of time uh, this one. So had to give proper credit there. Thank you, Ellie White Sox, uh, for that take on Dane Dunning. That is mine. You have a shout out for tonight, Tone. I do. Uh, we got to see a familiar face on the broadcast tonight, and that was uh, our guy, Pete Hand. Aloha, Mr. Hand, uh, winner of Sox Math, uh, the game prior. Um, it was good to see Pete um, on my television tonight, Johnny. I, I miss that man. I miss hanging out in Lot B with Pete, watching the game with that guy. I uh, hope he's doing well. And, uh, yeah, that's my Sox shout-out tonight. Yeah, I like that. Pete had all, all of the uh, good stuff in that video, too. The cigar, the beer, all of that. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that's hard liquor cool. in the cup. I know he likes to do his shots. So yeah, definitely. Cool, cool and tough guy. Very, very cool and tough guy, Pete Dan. So um, can't wait till he's uh, approaching the tailgate in Lapi with the cigar, hopefully next year. Yes. So um, that does it. That was this episode of Socks on Tap, Flying High. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you are flying high as well. Before we send you out, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on Twitter at Socks on Tap and at ONTAP Sportsnet. Um, one more plug. Uh, it's football season, baby. Uh, we got Bears on tap as well. If you enjoy this style of show like we run down for the White Sox, we got that over on the Bears side too. It's not me and Tony, but uh, we have a great collection uh, of podcasters and writers over there. Follow at Bears on tap on Twitter um, to get those updates uh, as they head into week two in football season. So uh, lastly, though, uh, if you enjoy Sox on tap here, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. So, Tony, I think there is only one way to close this thing down. Can you help me out? There is. But before I do that, Lot B Tailgate Crew shirts are back on sale. 
They are. Sports.store. As of this afternoon. That is ontapsports.bigcartel.com. And we know you can't be in Lot B, but the best way to feel like you're in Lot B is to be in a Lot B tailgate crew shirt. Absolutely. Tony, I'm coming over tomorrow night for the game, um, so I think I'm going to wear it. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get the vibes rolling. That sounds great, Johnny. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. Are you a sports card collector? Are you looking to buy or sell your vintage cards? If so, contact Josh over at Midwest Vintage Cards. With over 25 years of experience in the field, Midwest Vintage Cards will pay you cash for your collection. Check out their eBay store by searching Midwest Vintage Cards or follow them on Instagram at Midwest Vintage Cards. Contact Josh at 847-602-8604 or email him at josh at midwestvintagecards.com to get your quote today.